Well, welcome in to the Edge Kingsland Lockdown Edition podcast, and we are continuing our holiness series, holiness with a W. And this week, the topic we wanted to explore was a spiritual life in a busy world. And uh, and it might seem like a funny thing to talk about as we've all just headed into lockdown this week. And uh, we're going to talk about managing busyness. Uh, and for some of us, maybe um, that seems a bit ironic, given that maybe you've got nothing to do right now other than watch Netflix. Uh, but I think it is true that for some of us, lockdown is a situation that is actually more busy and complicated than ever because some of us are having to juggle home and work and kids and you're suddenly homeschooling teachers as well as bakers and uh, work from home geniuses uh, all at the same time and that can be its own kind of frantic busy mess and then I think for those of us whom that is not the case where there's more space uh, lockdowns can then be a, a moment to reflect on the rhythms and the patterns of our life and figure out is there actually anything that might be able to help us moving forward in our lives and all of this is of course connected to to a sense of of a spirituality a sense of connectedness and grounding that that helps us feel that sense and experience that sense of, of being connected and grounded both to God and to ourselves and to the world around us and so on uh, so that's uh, why we're talking about this today and um, it's interesting to think on this idea of and of busyness. And I do have, I should point out, the fact that we have uh, Katarina Kircher all the way from Titarangi, West Auckland, with us today. And we have the Reverend Pastor Bishop Cardinal Clint Gibson all the way from Tiaratu Peninsula. Steady on, steady on. Welcome, welcome <laughs> to you both. Hi. Um, so we're going to talk Hello. a bit about this idea of, of busyness and our response to that, and um, and I suppose it's it's one of those funny things that you know many people, if you if you go up to pretty much anyone <laughs> at the moment and you say, so how are you going? You know that one of one of the most common responses is, oh, really busy. You know, uh, so it seems to be this indicative way of of life in the twenty first century world, uh, and perhaps we're always tempted, we've always been tempted as humans to fill our lives with many things. Uh, but there is something unique going on for us, I think, in the 21st century as well. And uh, if you read a lot about sort of the developing of technology, for example, one of the things that people um, imagined that that would do for us is actually create more space because we'd get more efficient, we could do things uh, quicker, which would then give us space to actually um, do some other things with our lives or find a sense of grounding or connectedness or, or leisure or whatever it might be. But in I think a very real sense, it's like the opposite has happened, right? Which is that because technology has enabled us to do things quicker, but we live in a competitive world where we're constantly trying to get ahead, then really all that's happened is all of those sort of waiting spaces in between things and all of the things that take some time have now been eliminated to some degree. And, and so our lives feel even more stacked, perhaps, than they have in the past. And, and so I think the sense of the, the busy and quite frantic world that we live in is, is one that does take a toll over time. And I know for myself, what happens when I'm in that space is um, then when I go to find those things that are going to be of uh, relaxing for me, all I kind of have left in the tank is sit down, <laughs> remote, Netflix, or, or, you know, pull out phone, scroll, whatever it might be, right? And so and those things might be, Helpful sometimes just to kind of blob out to, but don't always offer us a sense of connectedness to to ourselves or to God or to a sense of spirituality and those those resources that might actually help us negotiate 
uh, the rest of our lives. So I guess that's a bit of scene setting in terms of the kind of complex world that we find ourselves in and the reality that all of us, I'm sure, at times in our lives uh, experience this kind of feeling. So, uh, so we want to talk today with Clint and Katarina uh, and have a bit of a reflection on some of this and, and think about some of those things that can help us navigate this and perhaps connect to a sense of spirituality in the midst of this kind of world. Um, and the intention here is not for this to be then another thing to add to the agenda, uh, which simply just uh, exacerbates the problem, right? Uh, but somehow to be able to talk about it in a, in a real but a, but a helpful way. So, um, so thanks to you two for joining us today. Uh, Clint, I'm going to start with you. And uh, you, uh, at our last in-person gathering, you spoke at Edge uh, last week a little bit about this idea of healthy rhythms uh, in life. And one of those rhythms you talked about is the idea of Sabbath. And so I was just wondering if you could start us off by reflecting again on how the Sabbath kind of rhythm uh, for you and the way that you think about it can be a helpful way of thinking about our lives and our, and our sense of rhythm. Yeah. Well, it was rather ironic that the last uh, conversation we had in person as a community was about this. Um, and then come Tuesday, all our rhythms were, <laughs> and routines and patterns of life were, you know, um, forced to be adjusted uh, somewhat. Uh, so, yeah, it was a great conversation, actually. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, around uh, Sabbath, um, looking at um, or referring to the creation story as an example, um, you know, the first six phases or the first six days of creation, God spent uh, forming and filling what was um, a space of nothingness and emptiness and bottomlessness uh, and, uh, and filled it and formed it and filled it um, over that time. And then he or she, they, <laughs> um, to, be, to be more accurate, uh, said, well, that's enough. Creation, the creating of creation in the world we live in and the universe we live in is, is complete. It's enough. There's nothing more to add to it. There's nothing to, needed to be taken away from it. And so um, on the seventh day, uh, God called that Sabbath and called it holy and he rested. And when you look at, um, when I looked into that word um, holy, what he, he, uh, God meant by holy, uh, God meant that it was different from the other six days. We've always looked at it as um, something extra spiritual or something extra special, I guess you could say. Um, but the word just means different or, you know, set apart as in uh, this this time or this space is used for something different from what um, God would, had done for the previous six days. And I think that's a real key in terms of the power of Sabbath and the simplicity of Sabbath. Uh, it's not, you know, it's about actually doing something or spending time doing something that is quite different from what you had been doing um, uh, in terms of mahi and in terms of, um, you know, your social life and that kind of thing. One of the, um, the insights I got when I was um, preparing for, for the message was um, in terms of the, that idea of forming and filling, we spend a lot of our time and a lot of our focus obviously doing work, 
um, and forming outcomes and achieving outcomes and that kind of thing. But I think also that time is spent filling ourselves, um, obviously practically with food and nutrients, but also with knowledge and fun, um, personal development, connections, memories, relationships, all that is done um, over that, those, um, uh, most of our time is spent, sorry, uh, filling our life um, as well as forming what we want our lives to look like. Um, and at some point, uh, as using God's example, is time to stop and do something completely different from that forming and filling in our lives. And uh, it's a real challenge. And as you pointed out, um, life is a continual balancing act. Um, but I think um, God wants us to really take note and make um, that, that a priority. When I look at um, the uh, rhythms of creation, um, there's a night and a day. Um, all of creation has a, has a beautiful rhythm to it. And, uh, yeah, I think even within a daily cycle, there's an opportunity, particularly overnight, to just simply, by, by sleeping and resting, you're doing something completely different to what you've done um, in the daylight hours. Um, and yet, as humans, uh, we're the only species that deliberately deprive ourselves of this time. We <laughs> deliberately deprive ourselves of rest and sleep. Um, and yet, sleep is... Um, scientifically proven to be very beneficial for our emotional, um, physical, mental, and relational well-being. Uh, and yet, for some reason, we ignore all that um, and choose to stay up all late, late and deprive ourselves from, from rest and sleep, which is very curious um, for, for us as a species. No other species does that. They, um, their rhythms and their movements are, are very regular and rhythmic, um, and for some reason, perhaps we think we know better. So, well, and one of the things yeah. that strikes me that enables us to do that is probably electricity, right? <laughs> to some degree, yeah. not not that no one ever stayed up late before electricity was invented, but um, yeah. it does give us this ability to ignore the the daily rhythms of of nature and the way that we function. Mm, yeah. Mm. So yeah, so that was kind of one of the I guess the one of the uh, topics of conversation from last Sunday. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that mahi and, um, you know, entertaining ourselves and filling ourselves with all those things are, is a bad thing. It's just, it's just a, an insatiable system and a cessation, an, an insatiable rhythm that we continue to buy into um, to, I think, our own detriment. And, right, so it's when, um, we, it's when we lose that sense of, of healthy rhythm that those big things yeah. become unhealthy yeah. for us. Uh, mm -hmm. When they're in their place within those healthy rhythms, then, they, then they're okay, mm -hmm. right? Um, they're very much a necessary part of life. So is, um, so is, sleep, is sleep for you like the Sabbath of the day? Is that like a daily Sabbath? Well, it's definitely um, become a focus for me um, in the last you know, since I was, um, since I've been thinking about this, I've never slept particularly well. Um, but I think there is something, you know, powerful in terms of even preparing to go to bed to saying, okay, the day is done, you mm. know, and now it's sleep time and rest time. And um, so I'm exploring the power of sleep and, and um, the value of sleep. Um, you know, I, having a, having a family, they all, now they're all, 
the boys are all teenagers, they go to bed a lot later. And so I wait for them, they go to, to bed and that's kind of my time to just be quiet and still, but that eats into the, the late evening now. And so, um, yeah, so I'm re, um, rethinking about what that rhythm looks like and, um, and for the sake of more sleep and more rest um, in, in that, that, that respect. So, yeah. I'm on a journey. Good one. Uh, and so when you think about this sense of rhythm, you think about this symbol of, of rest, of Sabbath, um, how do you think that helps us to connect with a sense of groundedness and, and even a connection with, with God, with, with divine? Yeah. Um, so, well, I'll you back to our Philippian series. Um, and in uh, Philippians uh, 2, uh, it talks about God's energy being in us and through us. And um, so I guess our sense of connection with God or our spirituality is infused in all areas of our life um, uh, continuously. Uh, but I think um, that I think a space of rest and a space of limiting our input, shall we say, I think helps to strengthen uh, our sensitivity and responsiveness, responsiveness to it. Mm. Uh, and so I think there's a real um, power in um, shutting down the input and just being um, in a space where it's just you uh, and God and, and um, yeah, exploring what is going on internally um, in yourself and what God is doing um, and wanting to, to say to us in that, in that space. There's that... Um, famous verse um I, well i think it's famous um in psalm 46 that says um be still and know that i am god and um the message version which is um always slightly more interesting um it says uh step out of the traffic uh take a long loving look at me your high god above politics above everything and i think there's something um again um beautifully inviting into that space of stepping out from everything that goes on in our life, taking some space um, just to look at ourselves and reflect on ourselves and reflect on God and, and, and invest in that space and that time. Uh, so, yeah. So I think by creating um, space for that, I think uh, we are heightened or more heightened and more sensitive and therefore hopefully more responsive to what's going on with ourselves and and what God is wanting to do in and through us. Hmm. Awesome, thank you. Um, I'm not sure if you can hear through my uh, end, but I can hear a two-year-old really struggling to embrace the rhythm of rest uh, just down the hallway from me. <laughs> no, I can't hear it. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> I think he's given his mother a hard time. Uh, Katarina, hello. Um, hello. So, so the question I first wanted to ask, you in relation to all of this, because you see a lot of people, by the nature of the work that you do, mm. a lot of people coming to you and sitting with you with lots of complex realities going on for them, all intersecting in their lives. Mm. And and in that, do you see this do, do you see this impact or this sense of people struggling to find that sense of space? You know, what, is that, what does that look like in the way it impacts people and intersects perhaps with some of the other things that are going on for them? Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, um, for those of 
you guys who don't know what I do, I'm a counseling therapist, but my background is occupational therapy. So I come from, come to, to my work from a, with that lens of what do people need to do to be well. And um, so this whole stress around um, struggling things, uh, juggling things, tr the struggle of juggling mm. is a common topic, you know, to so much to do. And I, um, I, I appreciate that because same for me, really, in this. And I think that word juggling implies this image, you know, of juggling balls or spinning plates, I call it sometimes, you know, and we try and keep all these balls in the air and then we go at it and think, oh, if I take a few out, then it's less frantic. And we have this um, occasional sense that we seem to have that, that balance, right? You know, this tipping sort of like scales that the scales are all balanced. And but mm. those moments are often, are usually brief and fleeting it's always this elusive um and exhausting task of trying to create a, this elusive balance and i i tend to turn it around with people and say well maybe instead of trying to juggle all these balls and spin all these plates how about getting clear about really what's important to you what are your values? What do you want to stand for? And that tends to take a bit of time um, to sort of become mm. clear again. And people use values lists and all sorts of things. And we sometimes even use um, a, like almost cards and we, we, we make piles of what's important, what's not so important. And because I um, the, the reasoning is when you know what's important to you and have a bit of a potentially a bit of a hierarchy of values, then it helps to um, to say no to certain things and yes to others. Hmm. So if, let's say, if family is really important to you or being a good friend is really important to you, then when you're faced with uh, competing demands, you can say, well, how does that fit, fit with my... The, with my sense of my value of family or being a good friend. And then, then it, it makes it a bit easier. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's, that's what I, I tend to explore um, when my life gets too full or too frantic or too busy. And when, what I explore with others. Um, I think it's a really helpful lives. way of, of thinking about it in terms of quite a, quite a, a proactive um, and values-based shape to that conversation rather than what it can often feel like is a scramble to try and find the leftover space and then kind of and then the, mm -hmm. then the stress that comes with having to then maximize that space mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes you know I find myself and I've got the moment to rest and I'm like quick okay ah, rest 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 Ooh, I'm not feeling very relaxed uh, and so the, the pressure to like maximize restfulness when those moments come uh, which does come from that kind of almost like a uh, it's um, it's it's kind of the you're, you're taking the scraps from the pile and trying to make the best of them uh, whereas I think what you're encouraging us to do is to to think about it more from the the perspective of what we initiate in terms of our 
our values and how that shapes the decisions we make rather than just scrambling around for the scraps that are left over, which I think is a really um, helpful way of, of, of thinking about moving forward. And the other thing I, in that context, what I sometimes suggest is people um, in their mind, in their imagination, sort of go maybe five years forward or a decade forward or maybe and ask what when I look back at my life at this time now what would I like it to have you know what do I want to stand for what 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 would count um Mm. and you don't have to have a timeline just maybe just what what I want to stand for or how you know if my once my son for example is 21 and and looks back at his life and his early years what what do I want him to remember Mm. from this time and that sometimes helps us shape our priorities Mm. you know does he want to remember I was stuck in a car in my car seat or you know for hours and then whilst my dad drove across town to go to various events who knows um Mm. you think oh no actually no that wouldn't make a good memory um Mm. it's a very um proactive response rather than a reactive response mm. isn't it yeah um and i think sometimes we can get through to the end of our day and we just spend our whole time reacting to you know the emails in our inbox and the phone calls and the the, the list of things we need to get done um rather than as you say taking a step back and go actually well, what's important here mm. and what you know how is my how is my life being shaped in a way that's valuable and um, but I also I think there are two other things I wanted to say on yeah. that topic. One is um, when we are sort of really reactive to this perceived busyness, we can easily fall into these extremes. Either very busy and then we're exhausted, and um, and then we just yearn for nothing, and which is makes it really extreme. Mm-hmm. Which sort of then lose mm-hmm. the sense of well, what's my comfortable level of being occupied or having things to do. And I think we, many of us, we don't at times know anymore, often don't inquire "Mm, today, how busy do I need to be or what's comfortable? Um, You know, sometimes we can fit in five things and sometimes we can only fit in one thing and that's okay. Mm. And doing absolutely nothing is also not necessarily a, a good way to be. Um, it's interesting they did an experiment with men I can't quite remember the context as such but they did this thing they put men in an empty room with no stimulus other Mm. than they could administer a painful electric shock to themselves and out of all the men um, sorry I don't know why they chose men (laughs) but um, they all preferred to give themselves regular electric shocks rather than be with nothing right um and i think there is this also this idea we we talk about rest as if it's a great thing but many of us are actually quite anxious of Mm. unstructured time Mm. holiday rest time what does it mean who am i when i'm not at work or not in my role as a mum or neighbor or cousin who knows um i think many of us find it a bit overwhelming and I think that's like currently being in lockdown. I think part of it is this nothing to do, nothing to go to is overwhelming and scary. Mm. 
there's something quite comforting about being busy, isn't there, sometimes? Yeah, and having yeah. a structure. Yeah. And if our identity is in that, then when we're not busy, who are we? You know, um, yes. particularly in a Western culture mm. that is production and producing and being a part of society by what you do um, as opposed to just being. And do you think there's a there's like a, a healthy and an unhealthy dynamic possible there? Like there's a, like you're talking about the extremes being sometimes looking like the only options to us. And so in that sense, rest looks like, you know, like completely, I don't know, vegging out. Um, and for some people that's, that's not something that seems appealing to them. Or, or we do like that feeling of being occupied in some kind of way um, as opposed to having nothing to do. Do you think there are ways in which that can be both like a healthy thing in the sense of not, not always jumping to the extremes? We want something to give ourselves to or to put our time into or to be doing. Um, but then there might be also unhealthy ways where we get a bit addicted to the frantic nature of life and, and get a bit mm -hmm. stuck wanting wanting stuff to be happening all the time because we're afraid of what happens like when, when things settle. Do you, how do you think about that kind of from a healthy or an unhealthy perspective? Um, I think, for example, that vegging out, for example, that I think that often leaves you not really energized either. Because mm. um, when we sort of, like you talked earlier, you know, what the, the dregs of, at the end of the day, when we just sort of collapse onto a sofa and blob out with Netflix or so, it's because that's all we feel we uh, have left. We just want to switch off. But it also doesn't give us a lot back. Mm. really um, we veg out so to speak but it doesn't we don't jump off the sofa eventually all energized we might have been entertained for a bit so I think it's important to explore um, for each person what, what it is how much energy do I need to spend on an activity and what would it give back to me so let's say going and doing a bit of gardening or washing your car or something. You need to invest more than you would when you sat on the sofa, but the return is also much bigger. Mm. If that makes sense. I think sense. My, um, my counselor used to call it active relaxation. I think that's what she talked about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, trying to find those things that, that do bring you out, you know, actually cause you to kind of move and be involved with something, but, but do give back into you at this at a at a greater rate um clint for you in your life when you're thinking about maybe when those times when when the pressure does come on and and things start to feel a bit more like the spinning plates or the or the crazy juggle or the, the sense of sense of frantic activity that sometimes comes at us not always within our mm. own control it feels like um what does it look like for you in, in those moments when you find that sense of connectedness, that sense of spirituality, that sense of groundedness for you, like in, in your in your real life? You know, what does this kind of practically look like and feel like for you? Yeah, practically. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I struggle um, with having finding my identity outside of the things I do. Mm. Uh, and so... For me, you know, you'll talk about washing the car and um, as a form of relaxation. Um, and I, I, all those things, um, I find I, my sense of identity in um, by just doing those things. So for me, it's probably more 
um, sitting in that room doing nothing uh, example um, to, to I guess find a sense of self and be okay with my sense of self um, and out of that um, uh, I the rest of my life is formed um, mm. and so I guess that's the space that I, I'm uh, choosing to uh, to create uh, for myself because um, yeah I think for me I've often been defined on you know about who what I do and what I have and what people think of me and so I think for a sense of rest has to take all of that stuff off the table and go well who I am without doing something without having anything and without people telling me who I am uh, and so yeah for me that is hugely um, difficult <laughs> but also mm. hugely valuable in terms of um, you know uh, discovering who I am and finding a sense of rest and peace I mm. think I think with rest for me comes peace and I think there's just something with just sitting um, and um, with you know not really doing anything to be honest I literally just sit in a chair for seven, 15 minutes and literally do nothing. Um, and it's it's actually quite liberating. And I come away from those spaces so energized and so alive because I'm reassured that who I am is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's not why I'm doing it. But it's just, you know, um, I just, nothing else matters. It's just who I, who I am matters. And in that space, whether it's just me, and my thoughts and God, um, I come out of that just so energized for what's lying ahead of me, so mm. clear in my mind, so much um, um, peace, I guess, in my soul. Um, it's, you know, um, yeah, it's great. I, mm. I guess what I struggle to is to, um, to do it enough. Mm. Uh, and I try to, um, I think I've talked about this before, uh, there's a Catholic church just up the road from me. And so I try and go up there um, most mornings um to because no one's in there um or the people that are in there are sitting there doing the same thing as i am mm. and um so we just sit there and just listen and just whatever thoughts of you know floating floating past i acknowledge them but i don't do anything with them and um and i just let them fly out and let whatever is um to come in comes in so um i know i appreciate as you um, your example, Katerina, it's it's difficult um, and challenging to to choose that space or to enter that space. But for me, um, I've just found it so crucial um, to my life um, and so grounding in a way of centering myself and bringing perspective to the rest of my life. That's beautiful. Oh, I hope you don't hear. I didn't. I, I wouldn't criticize resting as such. And I think as I'm listening to you, I'm realizing that um, it's that our systems always seem to strive for some sort of a balance. Because when a lot of what I do with people is sitting and working in the invisible, mm. so I need to for me to come to another experience of myself and who I am I need to do the opposite I need to be physical I need to move I need to have more of a sense of my own physicality and if I can do a task 
that has an outcome, be it, a, you know, um, the wash car, not that I actually ever do it, um, <laughs> or um, a tidy, tidy up or baking a cake and I can look at it and think, oh, this is something I can measure. Um, is I find that really satisfying. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, that um, our, often we imagine that there's like, there's a particular practice or there's mm. a set of things that everybody should do. And yet, as I hear you mm. guys reflecting, by nature of the kind of work that you do and by the nature of perhaps of your personalities and, yeah, and, and what your day-to-day life of output looks like, actually what you need as the as the kind of counter to that actually looks quite different from each other and yet it's in both of those ways that it's something that's connecting you to yourself and to a sense of grounding and connectedness which is it's really interesting yeah yeah actually you're reminding me i in my work i always use that metaphor of the toolkit mm. and people come you know and in, inadvertently people look for the fix mm. to their lives to their issues mm. and and that often leads to something needs fixing i need fixing there's something wrong with me mm. and i really totally disagree with that if mm. anybody ever has listened to me because i think we're already made whole mm. by god's grace and mm. so nobody actually needs fixing but we all need a set of tools to go about our lives mm. and no one tool can do the whole job. Like no one tool can help you build your house. You know, mm. um, it's that funny saying, you know, if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. Sure. So just don't have just one tool and you might have even a tool or a practice that works for you really well, but not every day. Yeah. And so you have to have a few things in the cupboard to uh, in your own internal cupboard so to speak to think oh this didn't work how about this and how about that and um and and that makes for a richer life and a more responsive life to whatever happens for mm. us mm. yeah that's good Katerina. yeah really good yeah um let's talk about one of those tools for a moment just um if we can think about it in that way this idea of mindfulness which you know you um among the things that you do, I know you do a bit of mindfulness practitionering. Uh, that's probably not the right. Um, ad, what's the is it an adverb? Um, but uh, in, in terms of in terms of mindfulness, which I think you know, this is a something that's really come to the fore in the wider social conversation at the moment, and people have now apps coming out their ears that are offering them mindfulness um, experiences and meditations and stuff like that. Um, what do you think something like that is, is trying to help us do in terms of um, a practice in, in the present age, so to speak? As you know, I, I and by now I really can't stand the term. <laughs> and um, so I really, there's a book title I quite like about mindfulness and it's Get Out of Your Head and Into Your Life. Mm. And I think mindfulness is really about getting out of our heads and out of those thinking brains and paying attention by doing paying attention on purpose to whatever's going on. And um, yeah, so we get to do life rather than, because uh, otherwise, because what's, 
what really struck me, somebody broke this down one day and said, the majority we either sleep, like you alluded to, Clint, or we think about yesterday or our memories or what we want to do tomorrow. And we spend very, very little time in the actual moment but it's only in the moment where life actually happens mm. <laughs> so you can spend it you know you can be 90 years old but you actually only live 10 years because the rest of the time you were either thinking about the past or the future and mm. you were not really present to your own journey and i find that tragic um and i think that's where you know that's to me is what mindfulness is all trying to achieve to get you into the moment Mm. Um, so you can decide, oh, what's my experience and what would like, what I like to do and be mm. and who do, who am I? Um, otherwise it's just thoughts. Mm. Right. So, so rather than some kind of, you know, meditative practice that's trying to get you to float off to transcend yeah. or, um, <laughs> find enlightenment or, or something like that, you know, um, it's actually helping to connect you to what's going on right here and now yeah. um, in in this moment which is which is kind of nice uh, I think I think it's possible that when some people think about mindfulness you know they think about sitting still and then someone quietly talking and then um, some I think people some personalities think oh that's not really my vibe like I, I just don't really like doing that kind of thing you know um, and, and I think sometimes that's just because maybe we're uncomfortable sitting with the present and with ourselves and with the moment and actually mm. becoming aware. I know that, you know, when I haven't done something like this for a while and I go to do it, usually as, as I start to do mindfulness, my skin starts to crawl and I start to go, ah. <laughs> you know, my, my instinctive response is, I just, I want this to stop and I want to get away. Uh, but that I know in, in those moments, that's just actually me. That's my body telling me how much I need to do this. And, you know, um, but, but there may be times when, when for people there's just there's like a, I don't know, almost like a style type, or, or there's there's a sense that I'm not sure that that helps me as much as it helps other people, um, you know, and, and and so we've talked already about some of the activities and, and stuff like that, that that different people do. Do you think there's a, a way of thinking about mindful practices that could be helpful to people who, who who aren't necessarily drawn to, sitting with a with a calm meditative person guiding them through a process like that are, are there some practices that could be helpful to those kinds of people totally i i think the 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 most bestest way to my mind is through your senses mm. you know that um so sight sound smell taste and touch and that that let your body give you the give you information about your lived experience. So to somebody, mindfulness can be making a brilliant cup of coffee, you know, and smelling it and, 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 and watching the temperature of the cup or as they're making it. For somebody, it can be surfing, you know, sensing, you know, can be sensing the wave and all of that. That is mindfulness mm. or climbing, you know, or, um, running or reading feel the paper you know smell the book or you know this quietness of your tablet let's say um explore what your preference is again we're all different you know some people are more visual some mm. people love sound some people we 
really respond to texture and say, oh, what kind of a person am I? What, what stresses me? Too much light, too much noise. Okay, how can I, oh, I'm paying attention. What do I need to do to be mm. more present or to feel more at ease? That's mindfulness. Mm. Right, so rather than, again, it looking like one particular thing, it's just sometimes about tuning in to the very the sensory experience of the thing that we're doing, especially those things perhaps that, that we find already to be um, things that we enjoy. So, you know, um, Kath and Clint were around in my house a few weeks ago and Kath was watching me make my coffee or my second coffee of the day or third or whatever it was, um, you know, and I get out my scales and then I get out my little grinder and I put that on there and then I weigh my beans and then I, um, and then I you know, set my temperature that I want my water to be and then I, you know, once I've ground my coffee freshly for each cup and with my hand grinder and then, you know, so all of these little practices and then weigh the first bit of water and allow the coffee to bloom, give it a little stir, you know, wait, wait 30 seconds, wait for the next... Um, and and I and she was kind of like, isn't that a real pain to do every time you want to have a cup of coffee? <laughs> Whereas for me, and I hadn't thought about it as a mindful practice until just now, mm-hmm. that, but that's probably it what is. it's doing for me, right? It's giving me the sense of kind of I'm in the moment. I'm not really thinking about my life or about stress or about things that are on my to-do list or all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I'm just thinking about the sense of this coffee and watching the water go around the paper and um, weighing, weighing the grind, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and if I, if I can tune into that even more, perhaps that becomes even more of an invitation into a, an, an, a moment of being present. Mm-hmm. Totally. And that's sort of where, you know, where we can lean into ritual, you know, mm. find something mm. that, um, that helps you celebrate being alive. Um, mm. And it can be your bath time routine. It can be, um, as you just said, you know, you are um, making your cup of coffee and really leaning into it and really experiencing it as best as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, that is mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And that, and as you're talking, I'm wondering, you know, you know, I wonder how you feel when you make that coffee. Do you, you know, it will, uh, what does it give you a sense of what? I don't know. Is it stressful or is it deeply satisfying? Oh, making the coffee. You know, it's not stressful. No, it's um, and so you know when no. I when I when Kath asked me that question, it's like no, this is not a this is not a pain to do every time I have to make a coffee. This is something that I that actually you know I enjoy and I kind of tune into and I feel good about and then I feel glad with the final product um, and the whole experience is is great yeah yeah <laughs> and, um, and i think you just given me a nugget of gold i think if mindfulness feels a drag and a pain to do and you don't want to show up then it's it's no point then it's right. not mindfulness mm. then it's it doesn't fit with who you are then you mm. have to find something you know it, it, you want to do mm. that's great i that's think really too great. um reflecting on what you were saying about living um or connecting with your senses katarina um yeah it's such a beautiful way of of living even Mm. in a busy time or a busy cycle um engaging in that busyness through your senses or acknowledging um what's going on through your senses is yeah it's just such a beautiful way of doing life um Mm. if we are conscious of it or and and engaged with it that way Mm. um even if we are busy and stressed um, yeah. So. 
Because even in, just the, in that moment of noticing, you're slowing down. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's great. It's a very it's a very slowing process yeah. because you're getting in touch with what's actually going on via your senses. So yeah. And then I think you know if we've got a, a theology that says then that God is in and through all things, um, then what we're doing is we're actually as we tune into the moment, um, as I make my coffee <laughs> in a mindful way where I'm paying attention mm-hmm. to the sensory experience, um, is I think allowing ourselves to connect. To, to both ourselves, but also perhaps there's a there's a sense in which we're drawing into um, connectedness with God also in a in a strange sort of way. Um, well, maybe it's not that strange. The term, um, sorry, there's a term that um, Katerina actually coined um, a uh, couple yes. of weeks ago mm. in a text to me mm. um, called "Prayerful Living" and mm. um, or "Living Prayerfully." I think it might have been. And um, yeah, it's just a beautiful. It, when you were talking before, um, just even around this whole living through our senses um, and being engaged with what's going on in the moment, there's something beautiful, beautifully prayerful about it, um, you know, about engaging in the moment and what's going on mm. in the moment, um, not just within ourselves, but hopefully beyond ourselves in a, in a, in a wider a wider context. Um, yeah, which is quite... Quite beautiful. I've been thinking about that a lot, Katerina, over the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, How am I, I living prayerfully? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a, well, yeah, I say, I think, I think as a, in the West or in, in Western um, faith um, culture, we tend to think about faith, about it's about thinking about God and studying God and talking about God um, and what it might mean. Um, but we have God-given bodies to communicate and experience God on all sorts of levels, mm. and we have often have ignored the body. Mm. Um, it's a fantastic tool because mm. it connects us with us, with ourselves and our world. Um, yeah. Seems so obvious when you actually start to think about it. Doesn't think, think there's that word again, but it seems so obvious when you the, when you start to think about this, right? That that would be the case. Uh, but our yeah, our Western mindset, I think, has has that the kind of dualism that we often talk about, uh, where where the kind of mind body split um, has not served us mm-hmm. well, especially within our areas, our, our faith tradition, where yeah, our faith and our spirituality and our theology has been about what we believe and whether we believe the right things or not, and um, and that's not been helpful, I don't think, especially especially in the modern world we now find ourselves in, um, yeah. yeah. Hey, look, I think this is a really, a really helpful way of, of thinking about this sense of connectedness, of thinking about the sense of rhythm, of thinking about this sense of um, navigating life with its, its pressures and its busyness and its demand, uh, but navigating in a way that's intentional, you know, and, and in a way that, that is um, like we sort of began the conversation with, if you like, um, this, this sense of not not living at the whims of, of our life and feeling like our life is almost living us and we're just sort of running to keep up with it, which is sometimes how we can feel, I think, uh, instead actually being able to have some agency, um, mm. which is a really empowering kind of idea for us, I think. Um, and I think that's a really good, perhaps a good place to land the conversation for today. Uh, and we're going to continue in our holiness series.
talking through uh, some of these big issues of life and how we navigate them from a faith perspective and, and a sense of connection to God. So thank you both. Thank you, Katarina from Titarangi. Pleasure. Thank you, Clint. Pleasure. From Te Aratu Peninsula. Yeah, pleasure. Bless your lives. Okay. Same. Thank Bye. you.